Welcome to this episode of Ready, Set, Grit, Your Life on Purpose with Ellen Barton, where you'll hear thought-provoking discussion, inspirational stories, and get action tips for creating the life of your dreams. Hello and welcome to Ready, Set, Grit, Your Life on Purpose, a weekly podcast in which we talk about the secrets behind living the life you've always dreamed of. I'm Ellen Barton, and today my guest is writer Deborah Ager. Deborah Egger discovered the power of brand stories when she launched a magazine in 2003 and the Yale Library called her to buy a subscription. Since then, Deborah has helped clients clarify their message, connect with customers, and grow their credibility and businesses. She's the founder of Radiant Media Labs, a company which helps business leaders both write and market their books. Deborah, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, me too. I love talking with authors and writers, and um, I, I just have so many questions for you. But I want to start off by asking you, what particularly is it about having a book that is so beneficial to um, business owners, business leaders, or even, I guess, coaches and people that work with the public? They can be a great way to build credibility and authority. Um, I started out doing this work for a speaker or doing similar work for a speaker and helping him market and sell trainings for his company using his book. So we used the book as a way to get people's interest, and then we followed up with people and sent it, and then we followed up again with a phone call to ask them for a conversation about their training needs. And so it was partly through that and partly through some other methods that I realized a book is a powerful way to build a business foundation. That said, not everybody needs a book in their business, so it really depends on your business, whether it's a good idea for you. But if it is a good idea for you, it can really help build credibility, help get you speaking engagements, and help people come to you more educated about what you offer. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, I have a client, so I have a video production company, and one of my clients wrote a book and ended up getting his largest client, which is a Fortune 10 company. Mm. And uh, that was directly because of his book. Some, he wrote this book and someone, without even being asked, just gave the book to the HR person at this um, large company. And my client um, is in the field of HR, so it was appropriate. And they ended up, she reached out to him and asked him to do a job for her. So how crazy is that? And it's all because of the book. Wow, that's fantastic. And a lot of people will ask me, you know, how do I get money from the book? And they think about book sales. But stories like that illustrate one of the main ways a book can can build that business foundation I mentioned. It doesn't always come, the, the revenue and the income doesn't always come from the book sales themselves. It comes more from the possibilities created by having the book in the first place. Yeah, that's true. And I've heard of people like speakers who even will give away a copy of their book to everybody in the audience. So again, they're not making money on the book sales, but they're promoting their brand. Do you ever have people do things like that? Yeah, I can see that being a really good way. I was at the I was at a marketing conference a couple years ago and someone was giving away his book if you signed up for his newsletter. And then he sent you funny newsletters. <laughs> it helped that he was so funny. So he, you know, he was able to distribute his ideas that way and get more people interested in what he was offering. 
Yeah, I mean, I can just see so many applications for it. So it's really cool that you help people do that. And uh, one of the things that you talk about is brand story. That That's a term that intrigues me very much. And um, maybe you can just explain what that is. Sure. So a brand story is a story that you tell about your brand. And a lot of the ones that usually what people come to me first for, they, they usually first need help with figuring out their own messaging. So sometimes by brand people, this is called messaging, but I prefer to call it brand story because it's, it's just, it, it's, it's a term that more people are accustomed to. So basically there's six parts of a brand story and that all good stories will address. So if you think of, you know, the stories that a lot of us know and love, Star Wars or um, Shakespeare's plays um, that have been turned into movies, a lot of people have seen those, or you think of even Harry Potter, there's usually um, six elements in those stories that help us wrap our minds around what is happening and that keep us entranced in what's going on and want to help us, or help us want to know what's going to happen next. So what are those six parts? Well, there's the who, which is the character. So the main character, that would be the person, and they are on some kind of quest. They need something or they want something. So then the what is the second part of that, and it's what they want. So um, Harry Potter, at some point, he probably wants a better family. At some point, he wants to save the world from you know the evil villain. And then there's the why. Why is it that, you know, why is it that you have your business? Why are you doing the work that you do? Um, it might be to save the world. In the case of some a nonprofit, it might be to provide water for everyone, to make sure everyone has access to clean water. Um, then there's also the struggle, which piques people's curiosity and keeps the audience and the reader and your future customer interested in, in your story. And that's basically those challenges that arise. So, you know, as we go through any story, you'll see that different challenges arise for that main character. And people want to know what challenges you've overcome and how you've helped other people like them. They don't want to be the first person you've ever helped. They want to know that you've done this work before. And then the, the fifth part is the surprise. There's usually some surprises along the way that keep people interested in the story. This ties together tightly with the struggle. Sometimes the struggle is a surprise. And then we get to, I call this last part, I have some different names for it, but it, it results in satisfaction and success. It's also like if you think in a movie, how many times people ride off into the sunset, the last one could also be the sunset. Um, because it's where you show that you got success for people in the work that you do and that you were able to help them transform. So they come to you one way, and either through a, and through a book, for instance, um, I, always, I always talk with clients about how a book is really an invitation to change. It's an invitation to change a process or a method or you know, a framework for how we live life or how we do the content marketing for our company. It can be all different kinds of things. And so that success will show that transformation that your client had at the very end. Oh, that's interesting. And, and you know, it is... So, Mike, like I mentioned, I have a video production company, and we do a lot of marketing videos. And we do, I think, a very good job at marketing um, other companies. But when it comes to ourselves, it is always a challenge. And I was talking to a friend of mine who has a branding company in Rhode Island the other day, 
And um, she's been in business for 16 years and works with national firms as her clients. You know, she's, she's really quite successful. And uh, we were both lamenting how difficult it can be to brand yourself. Even, even my friend, who is um, far more awesome than I am, but, like, um, <laughs> you know, it's really hard. So having that, that outside perspective, like what you're offering when you're pulling these stories out of people, that can be really valuable. Yeah, and I think a lot of people, um, a lot of people ask me, so what kinds of stories do I need for or a lot of different companies say, what kind of stories do I need? So for instance, I helped one consulting company recently with what I call their bio story. They wanted their genesis or origin story, which is the story of how they came to be. And they wanted to make sure that people, that their prospects knew that they had a lot of experience in their space. So, you know, we found a way to weave in the 20 years of experience and to weave in, you know, what that agency could offer its customers in a way that was compelling and interesting um, to the reader. And then there's the other kind of story that a lot of people usually need as a customer-focused story. So this is a story about how you help someone with their problem. So the other day I was helping the CEO of a a large company um, understand how she could create a, a customer story and show how her program will be able to offer that transformation for them. Oh, that's cool. And it's interesting how you can bring creativity into um, nonfiction business writing, which I guess most people perhaps think of as a little bit dry. Exactly. Yeah, there's really no dry topic, just to be playful and, and sort of, because a lot of people say, oh, my, what I do is too boring. I can't have anything interesting. Well, with words, you actually can make a lot of things interesting. And there is a way to create stories around different kinds of things. Like, for instance, one nonprofit I worked with, we focused on showing stories of hope. We never wanted to show stories about, you know, people being unhappy. It was always the stories of hope. And I just received um, some materials from a hospital, and I was really surprised. They have these very unhappy-looking people on the cover, and they just look miserable doing their work. <laughs> I thought, mm. what story is this telling? So sometimes the stories are even even come through photographs and not words, and I think that that's another important distinction for people to know about. A lot of people hear the word brand, and they think, oh, my logo, but this is actually more what I call branding with words, and and it's really more about getting into the clarity of your message and how you talk about the work you do in a way that other people understand it, and then are able to raise their hands and say, yes, that is what I need, and they know that you're the one for them. Yeah, that is certainly important work. And beyond that perspective and that playfulness and creativity that you bring to the table, I assume that a huge part of your value is the fact that when people are working with you to do a book, the book gets finished. Because I can't tell you how many people I know that are writers who never finish their book, you know. It is challenging to write a book. And I think that there are a lot of twists and turns to being able to do it well and that it can be hard to go it alone, just like with anything. So just like some people hire marketing agencies or, or business consultants to help them scale up their business, uh, a, a ghostwriter or a book collaborator can help you scale up your book to, you know, into a way that you might not be able to do on your own because you might not have that background. 
Yeah, that's a really good point. And just having somebody there to support you and to give you feedback, you know, even if you're doing some of the writing yourself or a lot of the writing yourself. And I'm, I'm sure there's different ways to work with people, but um, just to have somebody there supporting you, like you said, is I'm sure huge um, for so many. Well, how did you actually get started in this kind of work? Oh, it's kind of funny. Um, someone reached out to me and had seen my content and said, oh, you know, I know that you have a long career in marketing and you are savvy in business and you know how to write. So will you help me write my book on digital marketing because I have a digital, I have 20 years of digital marketing experience. And I said, oh, well, I don't write books. So I promptly said no. <laughs> and then we got to talking about it and I said, okay, well, I'm, I'm willing to work with you on your book. I, I got persuaded and we had a blast working on it. Um, he had a lot of material in his head and so I helped him get it from his brain and onto the page and then we collaborated on the book with a lot of my clients we you know I'll do the first draft and then we'll both look at it and see if more elements need to be added to it at that point and we will also you know make determinations about that and then sometimes I'll add in additional ideas like for instance have you thought about comparing your framework to this other person's framework so um, through that process, we, uh, you know, we create the book in that way. Oh, interesting. And what, so how long does it usually take you? It really depends on the client, but I'd say probably around six to nine months for a person, but that's with some breaks built in because usually they have, usually they're running companies as well. And so they have things they have to attend to with their company or, you know, they've got a lot of trips and things like that. So I'd say six to nine months, but it's not steady everyday work. Sometimes they're taking a week off here and there to attend to other things. Huh, interesting. It, it must be a very interesting line of work for you to be in because you get to learn about so many different businesses and topics and, and things like that. Um, and, and this, so you said that you were kind of hesitant about writing the book in the first place, and now this has become your main line of work, correct? Yes, it has. It, it, was, it went really well, and then although I started to get more projects in that, area and I and and I really enjoyed doing the work I developed this workshop called the book activation method workshop that I taught a lot in the Washington DC area I taught it live and then I took it offline and I was teaching it online for a while and then um, someone said hey could you teach that to me one-on-one -on -one? and so I said sure so then I turned it into something that I offered people one-on-one -on -one, and people really liked that process and how I helped them get their book out of their head and onto paper and so then that developed into a lot of book projects. Oh, that's cool. Do you still teach that? I do. I teach it one-on-one -on -one to people still. Nice, nice. Well, yeah. I will, when, when we conclude this interview, I'll certainly um, remind people that all of your links are on my website so that they can find uh, things like that easily. So that, that sounds really cool. Um, Deborah, do you do any of your own writing or are you too busy writing for other people? I do. I edited a magazine for many years, so although that wasn't my own writing, um, I edited other people's. And then I have several books of my own um, that I've worked on, either edited or written. And then I have, I've written a number of essays on a variety of topics. So one is on, I, I really love digging into different topics, but anyway, one's on grief, one's on beer can collecting and, and what <laughs> brings people together around collecting strange items like um, beer can caps. 
beer can bottle caps and antique beer cans. So that's something that I have forthcoming. And yeah, so I really enjoy writing. And it's also fun to be edited by other people because it reminds me when I'm helping people in that way, you know, the kinds of things, it keeps me fresh as to what I might be thinking as a, you know, what my clients might be thinking about my feedback. So. Yeah, that's a really good point. It is good to step into um, different roles. Like with our video company, I and my my team force ourselves to step in front of the camera sometimes because it's not easy for many people to do that. And it's not easy for me, but I, I make myself do it sometimes just to remember what that feels like. I think that's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Do you ever um, step out of this genre of nonfiction writing to delve into something like fiction or poetry, or is that kind of outside of your um, what, what you what you do? I do have what I like to call a deep dark past as a poet, and so I have a poetry book that's published, and I've been published in a lot of magazines before, um, and that's in the magazine I ran was a poetry magazine. But I'm not, I've kind of moved on from it, and I'm more interested in nonfiction and prose. And I do like fiction. I'm married to a novelist, and it seems to run, it seems to be the family business, this whole book, this whole book thing, as I call it. Book thing. Oh, that's, yeah. that's very cool. And so, so you're, you're um, however, frequently, you know, for your business, writing for other people. And are you putting your own name on the work, or is it, as a true ghostwriter, um, the the byline is, you know, the the person who you're writing it for. Yeah, some of that's actually changed over time. So some people prefer not to have a ghostwriter's name on it. Um, some of my clients thank me in the book or list me as the editor, and they do that without my even asking them, which is really wonderful. I don't. Some ghostwriters require it and have it stated in their contract that you'll mention them. And I know a number of ghostwriters who have their names on the covers with their celebrity clients, um, and then some who do not, you know, and, it, and it's not known that, that books are written by other people. So a lot of my clients seem, it seems like 50-50. Some of them put my name on it and some don't, and I'm good with it either way because it's not really about me. It's about, it's about getting their message out in this case. And it's actually one of the reasons why I like the work so much is because I believe in serving those who aim to improve humanity in some way, and I can't always improve humanity in the same way that my client can who helps women with their financial lives. I can't do what she does because I don't have that experience, but I can help her bring her book out into the world so that it can help more people. And I don't, although I'm a digital marketer, I don't do it quite in the way as my client for whom I wrote the book on content marketing and digital marketing, or I say collaborate on, not wrote, but collaborated on it with him. Um, because he does that in a certain way and he has experience that I don't have, but I can help him bring that out into the world to be able to help, um, to help companies who are doing good then spread, you know, spread more of that. That's a very beautiful way to put it. It's, it's very much being of service to these stories. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and I wanted to touch on real quick, the, um, the book activation method workshop. I thought it might be helpful for listeners just to know what those steps are. Did you want me to to talk about I those. would love for you to talk about that. Yes, please. Tell us okay. more about the book activation workshop. <laughs> so um, one step that I take people through is what I call mastering their market. So that would include getting really clear on a persona or who their person is that they're trying to reach. And then that answers a lot of questions about the book. So when we wonder, should we include this? Should we include that? We go back to not what I think about 
um, because it's not just me, we go back to, we go back to who that persona is and think about what will they know and what will they know already and what do they need to learn? And so we focus on them. Um, then we, we also focus on moving from the brain to the page, I call it, where we just focus, we just work on getting ideas out of our heads and it's a messy process, which can be scary to a lot of people. Um, I've used colored markers and paper just to get people into a silly mood, kind of more of like a childlike state of wonder as opposed to like where we have to have everything be perfect the first time because it helps get better ideas onto the page. And then we, um, then we do some mind mapping together. After we have some ideas, we'll think about, okay, where do they need to go and do we have everything we need? And, um, and then from that stage, we move into recording the ideas. Usually we record them and then from those transcripts, I'll create a draft. Then we move into the revision and, and polishing stage of the book. Do you help them with things like designing the cover or any kind of interior design or any of that? Or is that kind of outside of what you do? It's outside of what I do. And instead, what I have is, is partners who provide those services. Um, and I also provide them with some advice on, on publishing and some tips around what they need to think about. And I also, if they want it, they will, you know, they can seek me out for advice and consulting on their cover and thinking about, you know, what they need to think about when the cover appears on Amazon or when it appears in a store or wherever it's going to appear. Yeah, there's so much to think about. And then in your role as a marketer, um, with your with that being your background, do you help people with any kind of marketing once the book is released? Or is that too something that you bring in partners for? I bring in partners for that so that I can focus on creating the book um, I think it's too much for, um, I think it's better to have a, have a team or have someone who, who focuses on that. And it kind of depends on what the client's goals are too. Some, some people really want to make it big on Amazon. Other people aren't so worried about that. They plan to fit the book into their overall marketing for their company, which mm-hmm. I think is a really good way to go as well. Yeah. One thing I'm learning about your industry is how much, work has to be done after the book is produced. And you sort of touched on it a little bit with um, thinking about not just the voice of the book, but the whole persona, you know, public persona of this person. Yeah. That gets tied up with their brand. You know, it's, it's something that has to be very intentional, I think. I agree. And um, that's one thing. One thing I truly believe is that this is not really a product to be marketed. It's more that you are weaving the book into your existing marketing. And I think a lot of people, it gets back to what I said earlier about how some people are like, well, how much money will I make off the book? It's not, I don't think that that's the best way to look at it. I think that it's better to look at how it weaves into your existing marketing efforts and how the book can complement what you're already doing. Yeah, I think that's a really good way to put it. And as you were talking, I was thinking of it almost being a reflection of this person um, too. And I guess you maybe some of your work helps pull that image out or define that, which is sort of interesting. Um, but yeah, it makes sense to weave it into what they're already doing. I think some people have these perceptions that they're going to write a book and suddenly they'll be on, I don't know if there still is an Oprah show, but you know, the equivalent of Oprah and be a superstar. And I guess that can happen, but more likely it's going to be, um, 
a little bit different from that. Yeah, and I think I have a I have a different take from a lot of other people who do this kind of work in that I'm not professing to make people on Amazon best seller. I have I have a contrarian view around that, which is you know, once I noticed that someone had taken a picture of their foot, turned it into a PDF and then made that an Amazon best seller. I realized that it was very easy to game the algorithm to make that. So if that's something that people want um, to have as a label, it's pretty easy to get. But it doesn't really help your business because so many people are using the label that it doesn't have as much meaning as it did a while ago. And it especially doesn't have as much meaning if it's easy to game. So I think what's more important is thinking about how do I use this book to be able to expand my thought leadership, to build on the authority that I've already developed, and to help educate prospects so that when they come to my sales team or to me, that they are better educated about my process and I don't have to start at square one. You know, so if someone comes to you and they're already primed a little bit about what you do, it's going to be much easier to talk about working together rather than starting at the very beginning with them. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But yeah, thank you for sharing that. Have you, um, Deborah, have you ever embarked on a project thinking it was going to go in one direction and been really surprised by the book that ended up um, coming out of this whole process? I've never been surprised by a book taking a complete uh, left turn, so to speak, but sometimes there's elements of it that change, and sometimes, sometimes the focus changes slightly. It's more likely that what will happen is that we'll create a detailed outline And then even though we have that detailed outline, as the book begins to get created, the subject matter expert, who's the author, will realize, oh, I need to talk about this topic. And then, you know, I had a conversation with a colleague of mine and he said, have you mentioned X, Y, Z? And I haven't mentioned that. So let's include that. So sometimes, you know, they'll realize there's something else that could complement the existing material. And I expect that to happen. I call it getting smarter about the book. Not to make it sound like we were never we were ever not smart about the book, but mm-hmm. it's just that we be, as we as we get deeper into the project, we learn more about the project, and then we're able to see more. And it's almost like you're walking down a path, and the opportunity is at the end. But you can't see everything you're going to encounter along the way, but some interesting ideas pop up through conversations you're having with people. And as you work more on the goal of completing the book, you begin having more ideas about it. So I think that that's and I think that that's a natural part of the creative process. Yeah, it's like an evolution or something. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. And um, so, like, you're a ghostwriter, you're self-employed, you know, with with your own business doing this. Um, So on some level, self-employed people are, I guess it's mainstream, but it's a little non-traditional, not choosing to go the corporate route. And a lot of people who listen to this show are either young people embarking on their career and their journey, or they are, um, perhaps they started out in a more traditional corporate employee role and are reconsidering and and trying to do something more aligned with their purpose or their interests or whatever. If you were looking back on your younger self, um, what advice would you give knowing that you were going to end up, or at least at some point in your career, end up doing this um, more entrepreneurial role? Like, would you have done it sooner? Or did you do it? Did you do it right at the beginning? 
No, I I worked for I worked for nonprofits and corporations for a really long time, and I put myself through grad school as a copywriter, selling gift fruit, so uh, and writing gift fruit catalogs, and then I had a lot of jobs in nonprofit direct fundraising, and then that moved to digital, and I developed websites. All of these things sound different, but they are all actually part of the same path. Um, and then I really wanted to get into digital marketing, so I made a move over to a company to do that and led all the email copywriting, website copywriting, and the technical aspects too. So basically what I'm saying is, uh, not very explicitly, so I'll say it explicitly, is I would gather all the experience you can. You know, I, I took AdWords advertising training. Um, I, I built AdWords programs for corporations that were very successful in terms of revenue. So I have all that experience. I built search engine optimization programs. And then all of that experience that I got in training, I then used in my last job at a nonprofit where, you know, I generated millions and millions of dollars. And once I got to a certain level, I was like, I think after I get to $100 million, I'm, I'm going to be done. And I really wanted to move on and start my own thing at that point. So even then, I think I ended up thinking, oh, gee, maybe I should take another job. But at some point, I got to where I thought, okay, I have all this experience, and I can take this and use it in a different way. Um, and I definitely, and I bring all of that into the book work I do and also into the brand story work with people. So I think it's really important to gain experience in any way you can. And if you do want to start a company at a young age, you definitely should. Um, you just have to figure out if that's the right move for you or if you want to have experience working inside other organizations first to see how they're run. There's advantages to both ways. Yeah, and so many paths to success, you know, so many ways to go about it. And I almost think I almost think you can't do it wrong, you know, so to speak. There's Even if you make mistakes or run into roadblocks, you're always learning something. So, exactly. Yeah, like with the right attitude, um, I, you know, I think just, kind of like what you said, being going out, trying to learn stuff and approaching life as this big adventure, taking the leap when you're ready. Yeah, yeah. I was talking with someone the other day and they actually had it as part of their plan that they were going to work for other companies before they founded a company because they wanted that experience working for the other companies to see what they could learn about how a culture is how a good culture is created and just all the other elements of creating a company that make a company function well. They wanted to see how much of that they could learn before they started their own. And then I know someone else who's been very successful. He's been in business for more than two decades and he started his company right out of college. And, you know, he, he was successful too. So really you can be successful either way. It's more just about what you want out of your, out of your life and which, which path you prefer to take to get to that. Yeah, absolutely. Have you have you um, for yourself come up with a good definition of what it means to be successful? Oh, that's a great question. I think it's figuring out what what you want. Um, I just watched this great video that the New York Times released about a man who goes by the name of Slow Mo, as in slow motion, uh-huh. and he skates along the San Diego. I don't know. There's a path along the San Diego beaches, and he skates there, and um, he just spends all day skating. So people think that's a little bit nuts. But he was a doctor, and he's, he decided that um, 
he'd done a lot of good in the world and he wanted to move on to doing something else. So this is what he does and it makes him really happy and I, it seems to make other people happy too. And he said a long time ago he met a man who was about 93. So Slomo was in the line at the hospital cafeteria getting lunch and he asked this 93-year-old, what is the secret to a good life or to living a long life? And the man turned to him and said, do what you want. So I'd say that that's basically it. I think you're right. I think that that's a great story, and I thank you for sharing that. Um, Deborah, it's been fantastic talking to you, and I can't believe we're about out of time. Um, is there anything else you want to add before we wrap up? Uh, thank you so much for listening and for having me on the show. It's great to be here. Wonderful. Well, it was really great talking to you, and I did not, unfortunately, get through all my questions, so you may have to come back one time. <laughs> <laughs> but I do thank you. And um, I will post your links on uh, my website so that everybody can easily find uh, your, your pages. And um, you had a free download that you were offering? I do. And I'm going to make it nice and big and obvious on radiantmedialabs.com. Perfect. Perfect. So I will make sure that that link is in there too. So thank you again, Deborah, for being with us. It was great. And thanks to everybody for listening. My guest today was Deborah Ager. Uh, she is the founder of Radiant Media Labs. And as I said, you can find all the links on our website, readysetgrit.com. Please check in again next Friday as we share more information and inspiration to help you turn your daydream into a phenomenal success. Thanks for tuning in to Ready, Set, Grit, your life on purpose with Ellen Barton. Look us up online at readysetgrit.com where you'll find daily inspiration, links to our social media, and where you can access our ebooks and online classes. Ready, Set, Grit. Inspired actions, real results.